Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Well, howdy there, folks, and welcome into Millennial Money. Thank you so much for joining us. As always today, we got a lot to talk about in today's episode. So much. I mean, we got to talk about cryptos. We got to talk about small cap stocks still still falling. We got to talk about what our plays are for 2022 and uh, so much more in this episode here today. Thanks for being subscribed to the channel. Thanks for joining us each and every Tuesday night. And uh, we want to send a special thank you to Public, who is today's video sponsor. Thank you so much, Public. Graham, you want to tell us a little bit more about Public? Of course. So they're an investing platform where you could buy stocks, funds, and crypto. There's no commission fees on standard trades and no account minimums to get started. You could also buy fractional shares but what makes uh, public really different is the community experience uh, they bring to investing for example i have a port uh, i have a, a profile on there so does kevin andre you have a profile on there as well you can basically follow us and see exactly what we're buying what we're investing in you could see our thoughts we share our experiences we comment on other people's stuff it's a lot of fun you can also share ideas with other members and get insights from notable investors as well and uh in my opinion, the social aspect is really what makes it very special. So the link is down below in the description. If you guys want to give it a shot, I'd highly recommend it. They're one of my all-time favorite investment platforms. And just for signing up, you can get a free stock worth all the way up to $300. It's pretty much like free money. You may as well go and do that. Uh, and we're, and we're going to mention them throughout the video, but it would mean a lot to us. They've been a fantastic sponsor of us. We all use and like their platform. So if you guys want to do anything to help us out, uh, besides subscribing and hitting the like button, just get your free stock. That's don't forget, opinion. they don't accept payment for order flow too, which means uh, they don't oh, sell true. our orders to market makers. They wrote, route our orders directly, which is pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Jeremy, congrats yes, on on the uh, on the baby. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I know that was uh yeah last last week uh, on this night. Yep, was the magical night and. Uh, Ooh, so you guys all guessed a time, I remember. And Andre, you were indeed the closest on the time. So hey, you know what? Kevin sent me a hundred dollars. I'm still waiting for Graham's hundred dollars. <laughs> I was hoping you would forget about that. I uh I I don't have I lost I lost my wallet. What are you talking about? <laughs> There's Venmo. Uh no, I lost that. I, I forgot. Well, I forgot it doesn't take Venmo. It accepts Visa. It's, <laughs> it's complicated. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> what? Yeah, the, the way his bank account is set up, Andre. <laughs> yeah, see, it, it just takes time to clear. It's gonna, yeah. it's gonna be there. It's on its way. Brand's <laughs> like, I, I don't have more than a hundred dollars in my bank account. It's all invested. It's all invested. <laughs> I live. <laughs> I'll, I'll get your bait on. Congrats. Thank you, uh, yeah. uh, Jeremy. The, uh, is are you okay with sharing the name, or is that? Okay? I don't even know the name. Yeah, Axel, Axel, A X E L. I, I knew it because I asked Corey, and she told me, and I was like, that makes me think of the uh, Kingdom Hearts character. Do you do you know Axel from Kingdom Hearts? No, fire, dude. No. Uh, okay. Never mind. Shoot. No, I was, no, no, no. I don't. Axel Rose. You know. 
That's only Axel I know of, and, and I try not to na ever name the kids after popular people. But uh, so I figured maybe in like twenty years, no one will remember Axel Rose. So you know, by that time, <laughs> the the rockers will be out of here. But uh, yeah, so I had a kid because I want to support honest HNST stock. So you know, the, the vipers, the whites. I'll do anything to support my stocks, and so if it means have another kid, you know, I'll do it. I'll do it, man. <laughs> what were some of the other names you thought of? Oh, uh, we were we didn't have very very many good ones. I'll just put it that way. And Andre, I have to I have to tell you something else about the name, but that will be off camera, okay? So you'll get All a right. kick out of that. But it was really hard to think of any good names because I mean, this is our third kid, so you you start running out of names. You know, Kevin, you got a good name for your your next one. <laughs> Lauren decides. I I, I don't You're know out. there. <laughs> Fair play. That, that's a smart baby naming contest on here. That would be fun. Oh, hey, you know what, Jeremy? You should have left it to the comment section. Whoever has the top comment names the, your, your child for the rest of their life. They're going to be named whatever the top comment. Just watch it be like Elon or something. It'll be, no, it'll be like TTCF. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what it would have been. TTCF. Wouldn't even have been a name. Speaking about TTCF, Kevin, you making any moves out there? I know you've been talking about some of these heavily shorted stocks. And uh, I know you talked about Corsair, anything like that. You've been buying any of those or, or what's going on? Ooh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, I've been staying away on purpose from a lot of the uh, uh, smaller caps because they just are getting beat up. I think they are the, uh, the hedge fund safety net right now. Uh, it is so easy for them to short them. Uh, because they keep going down like they're profitable bets and and we know hedge funds like to be those people who just what what okay things are going up that's what we'll buy and then as it's going up they increase their price targets like the analyst it's like why is it every time the price is going up they raise their price Evan, target when the price is going down they lower it you know let me ask you so, a question yeah what do you think about what do you think about manipulation in those sorts of stocks do you think there's any manipulation by the short sellers in any of those stocks or do you think that's not even a play here uh, I, I mean, I think there's always manipulation when you have the, like the attorney funds and those short sell reporters who, who release their short sell reports after kind of like, in my opinion, pre-selling the information to like their investors or circles or whatever, like, Hey, we're going to put out a short report on, you know, whatever stock, and then we're going to sue them and then release our short report. Yeah. I think that kind of stuff goes on. I would say that's pretty manipulative. Uh, I'd say that's blatantly manipulative, honestly. Uh, and the sec finally launched an investigation into that, but honestly, the sec doesn't do anything. I mean, they like, look at what they did to Nicola. Nicola was like the most blatant fraud, uh, ever. And, and they slapped him with $125 million fine. Look at the, the stock just for comparison. Okay. The stock is 4.29 billion. So, that is uh, a slap of 3%. So let's yeah. say your net worth was 100 grand. That's like getting a $3,000 fine for being a fraud with how you got your 100 grand. That's ridiculous. So it, yeah, there's absolutely manipulation that goes on out there. Quite frankly, I think a lot of companies, uh, especially like, like I go on, I go on Start Engine. I was just on Start Engine the other day. I don't even know why, but I was on Start Engine and there was this like, uh, bullcrap company that was trying to get investors to invest in this like private jet company uh where where they sell you the service of flying around the private jets which there are plenty of those companies that are exist like wheels up or net jets which berkshire hathaway owns or whatever the legit ones like this 
These people don't even prove they actually have a plane. They don't prove they have anything. They raised two and a half million dollars from like 6,000 different investors, which is like $700 each. And somehow they're valued at $125 million. And all they have is like a little PowerPoint presentation. I'm like this, the market's either nuts or people are just straight up stupid with some of these, these valuations. Uh, and the SEC doesn't do anything. It's, it's, yeah. it's very depressing. Like the equivalent of a white paper in crypto. Yes. <laughs> it's just like, we have something basic to show you. Look, we're billions of dollars. Uh, you mentioned attorney funds. Can you explain what that is to people who don't know? Oh, yeah. So there are these these uh, uh, short selling firms that are actually law firms. And so what they'll do is they'll uh, load up on usually like one week put contracts uh, to short, which which we know anytime you do like a one week option, the, the like the price can go way up or way down on your option because it's about to expire worthless potentially. And so what they'll do is let's say on like a, a Monday, they'll load up on millions to tens of millions of dollars of put contracts, short-term put contracts, maybe spread it out depending on what the liquidity is, maybe even short some shares. Again, depends on liquidity. Then let's just say on Tuesday, they'll, uh, so Monday they short it. On Tuesday, they tell all their friends to short it. On Wednesday, they release, or they, Wednesday morning, they file the lawsuit. As soon as a lawsuit is filed and you get the stamp that the lawsuit is filed, you can pay companies to do a press release. And these press releases get then uh, uh, uploaded in or sort of like newswire fed out to the Associated Press, Reuters, uh, Bloomberg Terminal, to all of the, the news agencies, basically. Uh, and then those get aggregated into news stories. Oh my gosh, these people are filing a lawsuit against this company and they're alleging fraud, security violations, and, you know, deceptive practices, whatever, whatever sounds really bad, like, you know, fraudulent lawsuit, whatever, right? And then the stock usually plummets 30%. As soon as it plummets 30%, these people uh, buy their, or, or uh, they, 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 so they bought puts, they'll sell their puts back. Uh, and and they get out with massive profits, uh, and, uh, and 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 then they go do it again. They find another company, and usually what they're doing when you go through these short reports is they'll they'll just stitch together like Facebook comments or like Glassdoor reviews, <laughs> which could have been faked. I mean, it's it's insane the the kind of evidence they use. But people believe this stuff hook, line, and sinker. There's like zero critical thinking that goes on in the market. They hear lawsuit and stock crashes, and so it's it's insane. Like if you want to become a billionaire, just do that. Scam. It's interesting. One of the stocks I covered for my last video was Casava Sciences. I, I think I'm pronouncing it right. Um, ticker symbol SAVA. And it's up over 500% this year. And it's a, it's a, a biopharmaceutical tech company. And it's basically, um, they were alleged that they were manipulating their research results. So it's really interesting because uh, the scientific journal came out and said there was no evidence to support that claim. So it could very well be another one of those cases where, you know, short sellers are just publishing just false information just to push the stock down that's kind of kevin, interesting i'm curious kevin how does that work on the opposite side of things because we know they're doing that on the short end they're, they're drumming up some drama stock price falls they make money in the short term how prevalent is that on the other side of things where they're beefing out beefing it up they're making it seem better than it actually is to sell at a higher price because i i feel almost as though that's more frowned upon to uh come out with good news and make a profit versus bad news and, and oh and is it like pumping it basically pumping, yeah in, in the right opposite. oh yeah i mean um sure that happens like there was a company that uh, 
can't remember it was like citron research or whatever they used to be a short seller uh and so then then after like the whole gamestop thing they flipped and did the opposite and they're like that's it from now on we're only going to come out with great reports so uh i had i was an owner of this stock called xl fleet at like 18 dollars, and then i was uh, i had done a lot of research on then i did even more research and i'm like wait a minute this is countering some of my initial research and i'm like i got nervous i sold the stock I think I maybe lost like five cents on the shares because I sold the next day. It didn't really matter. Yeah. So I don't remember exactly what the day is, but just to give you an example of exactly what you're talking about. I bought it on a Monday. I sold it on a Tuesday. After I sell it, Jim Cramer happens on the same day to interview the people uh, and pumps the stock. Stock goes up like 5%. I'm like, ah, great. You know, here I go. Now I look like the idiot who's like, I'm even made a video. I'm like, here's why I'm selling it. I don't like it anymore. Uh, and then the very next day, so the equivalent Wednesday, this company Citron comes out with a positive report about how XL Fleet is a $50 stock and it's going to the moon. And the stock literally went from like $18 to $22 or whatever after Jim Cramer to over $35 after the Citron pump. Now it's like, a $5 stock, like all yeah. the, the momentum went away, like reality hit it, it went to crap. So yeah, the same thing happens in the opposite. Citron, they, they were, uh, if I recall, I think they were short Tesla back in the day. And then I think they flipped um, after a while, if I recall. So, but then again, who wasn't short Tesla back in the day? So, but yeah, and what do you think about, uh, you have any opinion? Because uh, I'm not very opinionated on, on you know, short, short seller manipulation. But what do you think about like short ladder attacks and those sorts of things? Because I know that was thrown out there a lot with AMC. And Make I'm just short selling. Yeah. 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 Do you have any opinion on that, that sort of stuff, um, you know, Kevin? Yeah. I mean, here here's the thing. There there are two big things that happened with GameStop. Uh, one was uh, whether it was happening or not, it was the impression, and this is probably the most important, the impression that the hedgies were trying to bankrupt this stock. So basically you've got, you had almost what a million accounts within one day that were holding GameStop, retail accounts holding GameStop. You had this this fervor and news coverage of, of how it's the suits versus normal people, right? And so you had this massive explosion in, we got to destroy the shorts. The, the shorts are doing everything to screw us. Price is going down. It's a short ladder attack. What, whatever was bad news was short. And it made sense because whether it was happening or not, it fed the narrative of keep your foot on them. Just keep your foot on them and soon we'll destroy those hedgies, right? It fed the meme narrative until, of course, the Robin Hood disaster, which, which killed all the momentum. Now, the SEC and, and, you know, the retail army does not love the SEC. I was just complaining about the SEC as well. The SEC said that uh, the, the short selling itself, like the short squeezing, wasn't much of an issue because what was happening was people were getting squeezed out. They'd cover their shorts. They'd get out. New people would short. So it's kind of like you were just, people were losing their money on shorts. They'd get minors squeezed out and then you get new shorts to cover. That kept that dangling carrot of, oh, the shorts are still here just a little bit longer. And so the SEC's view is uh, it wasn't short selling that squeezed uh, GameStop, but instead it was massive momentum. And I, I don't want to say I believe the SEC, but I know with certainty massive momentum was what drove that stock. 
And yeah, I'm sure some of the short squeezing contributed to it. But I think most of the time, if you can get big momentum, Wall Street bets, the news cycle, peak media, you're always going to send a stock to the moon. Right. Do they ever cover the short, naked short selling part? Or yes, was that a big they, part of it? So, so, uh, so they, for anyone who's unaware, by the way, naked short selling, correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin, but naked short selling creates synthetic shares out of nowhere, which kind of drives the price of the stock down. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like quick example would be like, uh, oh gosh, quick example would be, let's say, uh, Andre, you come to me and say, Kevin, I need to short 10,000 shares of GameStop as a hedge. Uh, I put your order in, no problem. Now I, as a broker dealer, have a responsibility for finding those shares to lend to you. So I go to Jeremy, hey, Jeremy, I need, I need to borrow a thousand of your shares. And if I fail to deliver those shares, that's bad. Uh, and that's illegal. That's naked short selling. The problem is the new laws we have, whether they're followed or not, say that uh, you have two to three days to clear your naked shorts. And so while we could get failed to deliverance on one day, they could end up getting cleared the next day. And then it's technically not illegal. So there are these weird little loopholes probably built in by the hedgies and all that. But the SEC's argument is it wasn't naked short selling. It wasn't short selling really at all that squeezed GameStop. It was just pure momentum. Uh, I don't know how much the shorting really impacted it, but I do know we had a lot of momentum. We had all of the recipe pieces for momentum, even without short selling. I think that was more the carrot, you know, on a stick. Yeah. So do you guys think that the Moas is coming, the mother of all short squeezes, or is that just like a fairy tale now? In regards to what, Andre? Are you talking about just – AMC and GameStop, I mean. Uh, so I'll quickly say, and then you guys answer it. I, I'm talking too much. Uh, the MOAS will come uh, when the entire community uh, gets to that same peak euphoria that we had in January. Uh, that creation is extremely difficult. But yes, there will be a MOAS if that same kind of momentum can be put together. You will have a MOAS on any stock if you could get that kind of momentum together. Mm. Well, yeah. what's the short float even on AMC right now as a percent? Because I 16. look at the, the, what is it? 16%. Yeah, yeah, that's not even a high number, Andre. You know, the most yeah, shorted stocks are 30, 40, 50. There's even some that are 60% plus. Yeah, so what, was game, what was GameStop originally? Wasn't it? It was past 100%. It was over 100%, right? Yeah. Over yeah. 100%. So it's like almost 10 times higher than where it is now. Now, uh, now why why do you guys think that they picked AMC after GameStop? Because, okay, so GameStop was the number one shorted stock. Was AMC the second shorted stock? Is that it kind of logic? over 60 or 70% when it started. Okay. Yeah, but also it seemed like back then the Wall Street Bets movement had a thing for really beaten down stocks that were about to file bankruptcy. Yeah. And once they were getting to that point, investors would think, well... At this point, I'm buying it so low, even if it goes down, like, I don't care. It's kind of worth it. It's only upside if it does well. So there's a bit of that gambler's mentality there. It's like, well, if Hertz is a dollar a share, I'm going to just go for it. Why not? Mm. And if enough people really believe in that and it starts driving up the price and it's up 15% in a day, then everyone else piles in on that. Yeah, well, it's hard to get that type of movement again there, Andre. The reason being is is that was a once in a I don't want to call it once in a lifetime period, but there was a craziest retailer, you know, retail 
market we had since the tech bubble, you know, and in terms of the influx of people getting in the market in December of 2020, January of 2021, February 2021, and kind of moving into the springtime. And then basically that was the end of the, the whole dealio, right? AMC, GameStop, when those stopped going up. And ever since then, as far as the amount of retail investors, it seems like it's just going down. And you can see in Robinhood, you know, just there's no confidence in, in their numbers moving forward, right? In terms of new investors coming in the market. So it was a really, really special time period that it's hard to duplicate that without a bunch of factors all at the same not time. Mention, yeah, not to mention that over time, as people are losing money and the momentum dies down, it's like it becomes harder and harder to justify sticking around because like even i'm looking at my stocks for amc and gamestop and i own like one share in each <laughs> um, my aims my gme is down 26 percent uh and amc is down i think in the 40s which is crazy so i like i'm just putting myself in the shoes of a normal retail investor which technically i am but if i had most of my investments there that would be so discouraging i would just yeah. not be able to justify putting more money into dollar cost averaging i would just like let it go to zero yeah. that not putting more money into it. Yeah. In the stock market, we've lost anybody that was a, I call them a stock market tourist. We've lost them now. They're gone. Right. They're long gone now at this point in time. The only folks that are left are the ones that are really in this for the long game. Um, it could be, I don't, I don't want to predict this, but it could be a similar situation with crypto uh, in 2022. If the big is a big hypothetical, if, if crypto had a really tough year, because obviously, you know, Bitcoin's come down significantly off highs. If, if crypto went through a tough year, we would have a lot of folks that are crypto tourists that would end up just getting driven out of the market. Right. Because as the time goes on and it gets longer, that's the that's the thing that devastates people. People can keep people can accept like going down on a stock, a crypto, whatever, for a month, three months. But when it drags on and it's six months, nine months, 12 months, 18 months, people are just like, forget this, this is a scam, man. Well, come on, Jeremy. Kevin thinks that Bitcoin's going to maybe go to $330,000, right, Kevin? No, 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 really Kevin thinks. The, the <laughs> analyst who did that research on the chart thinks. <laughs> you know, that's like, how many how many times did I say, I don't think Bitcoin's going to 100K but I'll, uh, this year. But people, uh, but I've been in interviews where where people are like, oh, it's going, you know, it's going to go to 100K soon. But people read the title and they're like, Kevin thinks it's going to 100K. Like, I never said that. In fact, on Millennial Money, I've said I don't think it's going there this year. But... Um, so, no, no, no. Kevin, how about this? When do you we, think it's going to hit 100K? We'll put you on the spot here. Uh, all answer, let's all answer this one. When do we think it's going to hit 100K? Give we me got three more minutes. days. Don't give up yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Um, so, I'll, I mean, I'll I'll answer that. I think um, the the uh, inflation, my expectation is the value of crypto is going to grow much more slowly without the pressure of, of or fear of hyperinflation. I wouldn't be surprised that uh, Bitcoin ends up having more of like S&P style returns uh, for, for the next few years. Uh, and, and that could end up being a compounded annual growth rate of of 15%, let's say, and it, it could take five years to double. Uh, I don't, I know there are a lot of people who hear that and they're like, no, 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 but the stock to flow, the stock to flow, maybe, uh, and you know, that's true. Stock to flow model, uh, you know, probably be there a lot sooner. If I had to guess, I, I, I don't know if we'll see Bitcoin 100K uh, by the close of next year, but maybe after we get good positive regulatory change, uh, like if we got a spot Bit, uh, Bitcoin ETF approved, I think we'd be at 100K pretty soon after that. And my guess is that's more like an early 23 happening. Yeah, I don't know. I would guess within two years. 
So I would say what are, what are, end of 2023 by then. That's a, just a guess. Andre, what do you, what about you? Those are great conservative guesses. I, I don't want to say next year. I'm, I'm hoping it would be next year, but I think Kevin's right. It all rests on the spot ETF coming, yeah. positive regulations. Uh, we need we need some hype, some hopium, some hypium, yeah. which we kind of have lost this year. Thanks, Gary Gensler. But, well, not uh, only Gary, but Congress with us like KYC rules on potential minors. And uh, here's the thing. You go into 2022. Guess what happens? Political season. Who's going to run a campaign to try to get older voters to turn out on? I'm going to go to Congress and fix crypto. And nobody's going to run a campaign. Yeah, <laughs> but but wouldn't that help attract if, if they want millennial voters? Dude, they what? don't turn out. Millennials don't turn out. Really? No. What Kevin, so you know what you would know this. What's the percentage of millennial voters who turn out? Do you happen to know versus like which nope. demo I just know it's about uh whatever whatever it was, it was about a third of what like 50 plus is, like the boomer generation. I don't know the exact numbers. I can look them up, but I don't have them right now. That's so uh, that's terrible. Oh no. man. I guess we're just no, so pessimistic about the whole political process. We're just like, nah, yes. who cares? <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's, and that's yeah. sad because it, it means people are like, oh, well, like you're voting for that crap in California. It's like, no, the boomers are. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it, I think it's um, I think as you get older, naturally, I think people get more into politics as they get older. I've just seen with humans over time. It's just like as as you get older, you care more and more about politics. The younger you are, the less you care. And it just it seems like it's just that way. And then people kind of get stuck in their ways and like this is. This is how it is. So. Isn't there like a quote for saying something like, you know, politics is a rich man's game or something along those lines, which kind of makes sense. As you get older, you get wealthier. You tend to worry about those kind of things. But when you're younger, you're just like, I just don't care. Just trying to make money right now, man. Leave me alone. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it just comes down to people worrying about their country and just like, this is the way I remember it. In in my day, it was the best. And now people are trying to ruin my country, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, trying to change this and trying to do that. And, you know, I think that's that's the, the big push usually. But yeah, I, so, yeah, just so you know, I looked it up. So it does seem like uh, 2020, we got, oh, wow, half the people who voted. So 50% were between the ages of 35 and 64, 26% were over the age of 65. So right there, we got 76% of people over the age of 35 to vote, which mm. they're probably the biggest demographic, but between the ages of 18 and 34 was only 24%. Three X, yeah. like exactly three so, X. Yeah, so I'm wondering if, if we really narrowed it down and see, because 35 to 64 is pretty wide. I'm wondering yes. if they had a better you know, age cutoff from like, 50 45 yeah yeah, yeah, like, yeah. something from like yeah uh so yeah so from like 50 on i'm curious how that would skew things if, if we get a lot of those people in there mixed in with the 35 year olds hmm. i'm betting even if you had a politician running on the platform of crypto i don't think most people would care either even the younger people they would just be like cool don't care <laughs> they wouldn't be phased about that either so you know yeah the what is it the um uh, El Salvador needs money. They're basically going bankrupt. Uh, they've got a lot of debt, unsustainable debt. They don't have a lot of money left. And so the the uh, CEO, president of El Salvador, 
is 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 going all in on on crypto, right? Or maybe not all in, but but really big crypto fanatic. You know, gets millions of followers on Twitter from talking about buying the dip during the red times of crypto and all this. Uh, the IMF just based on the latest reporting, is pretty much getting ready to turn El Salvador down for an emergency $1.3 billion bailout loan, which makes up like 5% of their GDP, because mostly they use crypto. Yeah, that was one of the risks, right? They were just like, let's make an example of you. What what are you using as money? Bitcoin? (laughs) No, you're on your own. Nope. (laughs) Yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, if you have too much Bitcoin, though, you got to be careful because uh, you might need some freedom. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. So what do you guys think about, you know, I know Voyager is doing this and it might be other crypto brokerages, but, you know, a lot of launching their own debit card products in which you're going to use USDC to make transactions. Um, Andre, you have a strong opinion on this. And, and Graham, I'd love to hear from you guys if you got any, uh, you know, sorts of opinions on on these sorts of services and, and how bullish you think that is for crypto or not. What's the question? In terms of like, you know, the debit card products, like does this make you more bullish on crypto? Do you think this is going to become a big thing in the future or is this just kind of going to be a really niche thing for the foreseeable future? Yeah. How many startups did we see this year? I want to say in even last year with, with these credit card companies like the carrots of the world, um, like the influencer credit card companies. Um, and, that, and that's largely, and I don't ex- remember exactly the explanation that uh, the guy gave me, but it was, it was a change in how they structured those companies, which allowed them to create these credit cards that were kind of based on these new models. And uh, I think if, if we have a lot more, um, like I guess, stable coin integration into these credit card products, that's just creating more on and off ramps for crypto. So long term, I think that's a, an incredibly good thing. Um, it's just going to take a while for regulation to catch up to it, though. So, yeah. And um, the way the way Voyager's doing their debit card is they're using USDC. So I guess my main question is, is this more bullish for crypto in general? Is it more bullish for Bitcoin? Because, you know, if you're doing your transactions through USDC, do you really need to own Bitcoin? You know, no, it's, like- I think it's 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 good for the entire crypto market. I mean, it, it trickles down into everything else, right? It just adds liquidity, stability, um, volume, size to the market. So it's it, in the long term, it's going to help everyone out. How is how is the debit card structured? In in terms of what what way? Because you're mentioning crypto crypto debit card with USDC. So you're basically just transacting in USDC. So you don't need to. Is, is that how the premise? Yeah. From my understanding, it's like you put money or you have money into it and then it goes into USDC and you use USDC to make the purchases, which is kind of confusing because it's like, well, how does that work on the back end of that? Right. So it's really confusing. Jeremy, I think it might be a good model for the government to just like see how the test is and just, you know, I think they're really slow on creating their own, uh, you know, stable coin, the digital dollar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think this will be a really good. What's up? I'll tell you, I think we'll lose all privacy as soon as there's that a a government issued stablecoin. I I think it's going there. I first of all, I'm kind of shocked that that they haven't pressed in that direction more because just a magic because, you know, they wanted to take a look at bank accounts, right? Any bank account over ten thousand dollars a year, which the majority of people are going to have transacted. They're going to see what's going in and out and then use that against when you file a tax return to see what matches up. But at some point, there, there's going to be a ledger, and they're going to say, Andre, we know 
that uh, your friend Venmoed you for $20 that day. And then you wrote off that $20 as an expense for dinner when you paid. Uh, well, well, now you can report that as income. Hey, what was the cost though? Six, $600, wasn't it? For all, no, it all six, um, oh, yeah, no, it was, yeah, it was $600. And then they came back at 10K and people had the same reaction to it. It was like 10,000 for the year. So, hey, <laughs> privacy wise, they're like, I, we know everything about you. We're not in a rush to know more. <laughs> like, we're good well, there. I, Saying I feel like stable coin, it makes sense, it makes sense that they would have a stable coin. It, it, yes, and they absolutely. I don't and, think they want to rush into it yet. Yeah. I think they just want to see the free market, how the free market handles it with like the Voyagers and seeing how their credit card products work. And and then they're like, okay, cool, we get it. Let's create our own. They'll probably push hard. Probably, I'm guessing like 2023 as well. That's probably the earliest. Uh, I was thinking this is probably 10 years away. They would really because they would have to completely transition away from physical currency. Like you, you wouldn't you wouldn't have money in your bank account in the sense that it would be, you know, eventually everything would be converted and, and they yeah. would still have to take physical money. I mean, it would still exist. There would be no way that they'd be able to confiscate well, money. And then they've been working on this for such a long time. Yeah. They've been working on it for such a long time, though. I'm not, I'm not sure how long they've been working on it, but it's, it seems like it's just going to happen any any year now. Yeah. Hey, and by the way, I think, uh, I think Graham, you brought up a really good point. And I think this is something all the viewers should think about because I've heard this time and time again, come tax season, people are like, why can't the government just know everything and just tell me exactly how much I know or my refund. Okay. And people don't really like think this thing through. And I'm in the way I think is I think 99% of Americans cheat on their taxes willingly or unwillingly. Because there's no way if you come to Vegas and you made $100 on a slot machine that you put down that you made $100 on a slot machine, even though you technically should have. Or you sold your friend, you know, your, your pair of headphones for 100 bucks, which you should have put down, right? And you didn't put that down, right? So at the end of the day, like, I, I feel like, it, you know, if we want to go there and you really want the government to know everything, just understand you're going you're gonna to pay more in taxes, just flat out. Yeah, I think it was Kevin's live stream. He was talking, at, what was it you were talking about? Like, if you steal something, the I, what was it? The IRS wants you to report that. I get that. <laughs> funny. It's, it yeah, was, basically, it's something like that. Yeah. The, the IRS added this, uh, this uh, section in the tax code. Here it is. It is. Oh, no, uh, you had it up there. That's nuts. Look at that. If you <laughs> steal property, you must report its fair market value in your income in the year you steal it, unless you return wow. it to its rightful owner. That's crazy. But, okay, so so Kevin, I know there must be a reason they put that in there. Of course. Why? Why would they Fraud. put that? Because, because now, if they catch a thief who stole a car and didn't report that $20,000 of income, now when that person gets caught yes. for stealing the car... Uh, and they go to jail for Grand Theft Auto, they also get uh, civilly prosecuted for a tax evasion. Got it. So you're knew there had basically to be a doubling up the crime. Right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> now, but at, at what, th I guess that would be any threshold, right? Like if it's if it's a hundred bucks or if it's, where do you report that? Under? Like, they, is that like mis other miscellaneous income? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like how how do you say that without incriminating yourself, right? right. Like, oh yeah, just put it under line twenty nine B, stolen 12A. good income. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like but a threshold though. It's, it's like ten dollars is cool. You don't have to report that, but a hundred definitely got to report it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, I had a feeling it was for a reason like that, where they're prosecuting and they just need an extra thing to kind of throw on it. Sure. Um, but but let's say they get caught. I guess if they get caught within the calendar year, technically, then they don't owe anything, right? If they if they steal something on like January first, but they get caught. Oh, yeah. December twenty eighth, and then then what? They didn't have time if they to get back. back. <laughs> they could give it back on the last day. Now, now does yeah, there that, you go. Then does good. that count for for corporate theft too, or is that only like physical goods? Or could I be like a? a you know, that, it's funny you say that because my uh, uh, my tweet uh, was this, which is, I think this section was written for Trevor Milton at Nicola. <laughs> <laughs> there we go there we go you see corporate theft counts too <laughs> yeah I, I so anywho guys uh now kevin so earlier we were talking about you're still not buying small caps are you buying small caps in january or are you still just uh, staying away man what's the plan you know i'm i'm just waiting for uh, uh the, the market to regain confidence because right now small caps are they're the victim. They're they're the safety net. They're the easiest things for everyone to short. The interesting thing is they haven't been falling under those bottoms we talked about last week. I, I say them every day, so I won't repeat them every day. Mm -hmm. But the a, a lot of the companies that are selling off, whether they're fintechs or small caps, a lot of them are hitting these floors. Then they have like these convictionless rallies where they run like for two or three days and they fall right back to the floor kind of like bitcoin did you know bitcoin hits that like 48 ish level it's stable it's stable there for a while falls a little below goes a little above whatever then it starts this like three or four day rally of that's it it's, it's going to 52 boom ding right back off it right back to the floor like that's this environment that we're in and i think we might be feeling this sideways trading for a while which honestly is the best time to sell options like sell puts and sell calls but you know with my timing uh i feel like i'm gonna go sell a bunch of calls collect a bunch of premiums and then the rally will show up the next day <laughs> that's yeah. the dangerous side of that yeah it's wow. also you know you're like oh i made a little money but i could have made a lot of money if i never right. did that. so yeah it, it, a lot of times it almost makes more sense if you're really bullish on a stock and you think it's already a great price, just sell puts, you know, and go ahead, collect the premium. It goes down, buy it. You Dude, know? I know, but I did that on PayPal and it was my biggest loss this year. You know? Really? It, Tell us well, about it, that. It, what happened? It fell like 20, almost 20% after the whole Pinterest debacle, certainly 10%, mm -hmm. somewhere between 10 and 20%. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, volatility's high. This is the perfect time to sell puts. So I sell some puts. Uh, and then and it proceeds to drop another like 25%. I'm like, oh, good game. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll tell you, the one thing that is the least stressful ever is just buying freaking shares. I don't That's have to worry about the expirations. The credits honestly ain't really worth it uh unless you're just like on top of it and regularly farming it if you want to put that effort in great uh it, and it's worth it if you could stay on top of it but unless you want to stay on top of those options every single day you know twice a day morning and afternoon i don't recommend it mm. by the way i don't i don't know if you guys know but uh paypal has a deal coming with amazon uh that's supposed to go into effect in 22 with venmo 
uh, where you can use Venmo to, I don't know if it's going to be able to purchase everything through Amazon through Venmo, but that's, uh, if you think about a bullish catalyst for, for PayPal, man, that's, that's pretty darn big. Uh, imagine being able to just buy something on Amazon with Venmo. That's pretty, mm, that's, a good point. that's uh, cool. Yeah. Pretty, pretty darn cool. So, but anyways, PayPal is a steal. You want easy money stock people? PayPal. Okay. Uh, did, Jeremy, did you buy, did you buy PayPal? I haven't bought PayPal yet because all my other dang stocks have gone down so much that I've been so busy buying those. But PayPal, easy money next three years. Facebook, easy money next three years. If you want two stocks that you're going to double up your money, put your money in and it doubles up and you don't have to worry about it for the next three years, those two stocks. That's, that's not, what we call Curry from Open 3. How about, how about the, not financial advice, but you would be able to get PayPal on public. You could <laughs> buy it there without any payment for order flow. And we have a link down below in the description that'll give you a free stock worth all the way up to 300 bucks. So you may as well. You just crossed the line, Graham. That Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Cross the line. That's when we went too far over, okay? If you want to see how many uh, PayPal shares Graham bought, you can check his profile out in there. <laughs> now, I've, uh, I've owned PayPal... I don't know what my, I think I've owned it for a while. I don't know, actually. Also about a year? I don't know, actually. And I gotta look it up. I, I, I realized I got way too many stocks because I, I just keep buying, buying, buying. And, you know, I just, I, I dabble, but- uh, 50 shares, just recently <laughs> bought in. You did, Andre? Nice. Yeah, yeah, nice. I think it was a couple of weeks ago on Millennial Money, remember? I put in 10 grand. Yeah. I, okay, so I'm $44. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I have a, uh, so I got 130 shares. So, uh, and my cost basis is pretty much exactly 200 bucks. So down a little oh, bit, but, uh, I'm still, I'm still buying in just every now and then. Nice. Nice. Oh, you guys got any easier money stocks out there in terms of, uh, let's say two X potential over the next three years and extremely low probability they lose money. Got anything in mind? Hmm. Over the next how many years? Over the next three years. It, it, it's a stock that you think high probability is going to 2x, very low probability Ooh. you lose any amount of money on it over the next three years. So three yes. years from today. You know what? I'm, I would almost, man, people are going to hate me for this, but almost if Facebook, I mean, if, if they yeah. execute on what they're talking about with Meta, oh man, it's like, you're either going to look back at this and be like, Oh, I wished I invested at $300 or it's just going to be like, Oh, that was a, that was a joke. I mean, I feel like it could is, go either way. Is it just but, me? I'm kind of pessimistic about their metaverse thing. I don't know, man. No, I am too. Well, you, Facebook doesn't even need metaverse. You're that's a, that's a double up over the next three years, regardless of metaverse. That's just an extra cherry on top. That's kind of like their call option. I guess. You I, say. I don't know yeah. though, hey, how just, much money are they putting into it? Like, Oh, they've been, they've been, uh, from my understanding, they're, they're investing heavier than any other Silicon Valley company out there in this. So, and they had the users to do it. I think there's a decent probability, but I would say the metaverse for Facebook is like the robo taxi network for Tesla. 
It's the cherry on top. It's like, man, that could be huge if they could do it, but it's going to be hard to pull it off, right? And so, what if, what if they put in so much of their resources into metaverse only to find out that it's a bust? Don't you think that'll hurt a lot more than a cherry on top? Yeah, yeah they've done that for a long time, and Facebook makes so much money that it's just like you got to invest somewhere, right? And it's like, what else are they going to invest in? You know, create another Instagram clone competitor? It's like, what what do you do? Um, and it's you know, who's better positioned than them? Look at look at how well Oculus sold. I don't know if you guys have seen Oculus. Oculus was like the number one downloaded uh, app on uh, Christmas Day. So the amount of Oculus new headsets that are being sold right now is off the chart. Something like a sandbox would probably do way better in the next few years with the metaverse. Um, yeah, I don't know. I see Facebook making this play for offices and for hangouts. Like, you know, you're friends with somebody on Facebook you haven't talked to in 10 years. They'll make it very easy that you can put on a headset and have coffee with the person and have a really good experience with, with Hangouts. Kind of like, uh, like a, you know, the AOL chat room really changed stuff to go on AIM. And you could see who else is logged in and just, you could chat away on there. That changed every. I thought that was so cool. I, I would go from school home right onto my computer and then chat with my Internet buddies. I love it. So, also, Jeremy, do you, do you think even though Facebook has a ton of users, are they really the end user for the metaverse? Or is it like a slightly older generation than that would maybe not be the target audience? No, I think they are because everybody uses one of Facebook's platforms, right? If you don't use Facebook, then you might use Facebook Messenger. If you don't use Facebook Messenger, you might use Instagram. If you don't use Instagram, you might use WhatsApp, right? And so at the end of the day, almost every single person uses at least one of Facebook's properties, including all of us four, right? And so at the end of the day, like who's better positioned than them? Uh, I think Apple is in a pretty interesting spot. But the, the, the difficult thing for Apple is going to be if this new age device that we're going to go into over the next five, 10 years replaces a smartphone, which is a, currently a possibility. Does Apple really want to do that? That is their cash cow. And then you're just kind of replacing revenue. So is Apple really going to be the most Facebook? They would love to disrupt the smartphone market. Right. They would love to do that. Um, Apple, do they really want to do it? Can Tim Cook pull that off? That's a good question. Because that, that's a Steve Jobs type moment. And we'll yeah, Tim be able to talk Steve Jobs. That moment. the metaverse hardware is going to replace smartphones? I, I think it's a real possibility. I don't think, I think it's going to happen. I think it's a I think it's a real possibility. Not not anytime soon, but I think if you look in, you know, seven years down the road, ten years down the road, I think it's a it's a real possibility that whatever you're tying into the metaverse is also connected to any sort of device you have. And I don't know if that's a, a modern cell phone or what that is. Um, and maybe there's different sets for different, you know, reasons. Like maybe you wear like an augmented reality set. Um, Google it's gonna, Glass. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be confusing how it all plays out. Uh, Guys, I'll be right back. I'm going to go into the metaverse. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Oh gosh, it, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a wild time. There's no there's no there's no doubt about it. I don't um, know, I'm just excited about the Apple car. That's 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 what I'm waiting for. I think everyone that's, would that's be. be like, what is that gonna be like? That's gonna be insane. It's not. There's no. nothing about Tesla. No. What? No. All right. Well, what's it gonna no. do? Nothing. No, <laughs> they gotta be innovative. <laughs> Andre, you're seeing this to go with two Teslas behind him. I don't think you're going to convince him. No, and I'm, I'm an Apple fanboy, but let's just be honest. You know, come on, man. Like, uh, no. 
I mean, a Apple, Apple's great at what they do. They just make their things that Steve Jobs ended up making, right? They just make those better and better and better. So congratulations to them. Uh, but at some point, they're, they're going to get disrupted. The, the modern smartphone will be disrupted. If you think we're still going to be using modern smartphones 20 years from now, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think that's going to be disrupted. It's just a question of, um, you know, when does it happen? Yeah. So, um, you know, it would be interesting if Tesla were the company that then they could come out with their own phone. Because Tesla was so innovative for cars. And it's so interesting to me now that I look at any new car that's coming up. And the interior looks identical to a Tesla from like seven years ago. They all have the same iPad interface, right? In the same spots. It's so crazy how they all kind of did the, the thing with the front grille and made it all smooth. And I don't know. I think I think maybe Tesla could just have fun. They, they would for fun just create an amazing phone. Hmm. Yeah. But the thing with Tesla, and I, I did a whole video about this, and a lot of people brought this out as a point, is um, you know, Tesla likes to be forward-looking on massive new growing markets. And the smartphone market is is um saturated now. You know, it's not that big growth market. Ten years ago, sure, you know, get in the smartphone market, throw your hat in like Amazon did, right? But nowadays it's just a saturated market. Everybody buys their, you know, Android or their their Apple, their iPhone, right? And so um you know, it's kind of like if Tesla was to get in now, they're they're so late to the game. And like I said, I think we're on the cusp of the, over the over the back half of this decade of a time period that might replace our smartphones. So, Kevin, um, how are you liking your plaid? I was. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I want to get rid of it. Oh wait. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're talking to Kevin. I didn't. Kevin, you got a plaid? What? Oh yeah, I did. <laughs> oh, um, I didn't know. You didn't know? Yeah, I didn't know it either. And then I didn't talk uh, to me. Yeah. No. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll talk about your plaid in a second, Kevin. What happened to, how do you like your plaid? It's great. I, I love it. I, uh, I just wish they would give me a darn safety score. <laughs> like I've had it for Ooh. like, I don't know, a while now, uh, a couple of weeks or something like that. And it's just no safety scores. I'm like, ah, oh, it's so frustrating. Like I'm opted in and everything. So I feel like when I get Tesla products, I'm always like the last to get them and like I get the short end of the stick. So it's, it's kind of been par for the course. What? The same thing happened to me when I got my Tesla model X. So I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. And if everybody else having a good experience, maybe that's good. But, yeah. I had a 92 safety score. Now I dropped a 75. What's up with Where that? Where do you see the safety score? I don't know. I, you have to opt in through Tesla, the, interface yeah by the way I, I did you guys see the new update that they did with the new icons they're all colored i don't know if i dig that wait a second I do you, you see it you see it in this app that the, the yeah. actual yeah it, if you scroll down it's right below upgrades it's safety score Boop. i don't have it yeah you don't have it because you got to opt in to tesla's like something i forget what it's called but what i yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe I just haven't updated it enough because I have the full no, self-driving. No, my, my dad had it. Like my dad just got his like last week and then I didn't have mine either. And then I went to the cars like sign up thing. I had to sign up or opt into something. Did wow. he have a, does your dad already have a score? He does. It's like in the nineties. That's what I'm saying. Like, this is mine. This has literally been mine for, for, I don't know, like <laughs> 17 days or something like that. And I'm like, come on, man, this is some bull crap. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's it and then it literally says safety score will be available after your first trip and i'm like i've taken like a hundred first trips i have taken trips just to take trips to get the score i have nightmares over that safety score because 
I wake up. Well, well, well I, I guess they're dreams because in my dream, I'm like, oh, I finally got my safety score. And then I wake up and I'm like, Kevin's life is just perpetually in Groundhog Day mode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Wow. Okay. I got to look at, you know, what's interesting is that you're talking about the safety scores and I'm looking at this. I'm thinking, oh, that reminds me of a credit score. Pretty soon, everyone's going to be like, look at my safety score. What's your safety score? Ooh, you got a 70. You're not very safe. And then, you know, imagine then it's like uh, if we ever get into uh, like like Tesla's really driving around for like Ubers and whatnot, uh, you only request drivers who have a safety score above like 92, let's just say, or then you put it on your employment, uh, you know, oh application. Gosh. It's like, what's your safety score? Your driving 91? score, yeah. Yeah, because they'd want safe drivers, you know? It's interesting. You know what I think will be disrupted, Jeremy, in the next few years? I think the underwriting model for how credit cards get their credit scores is going to be disrupted a lot. Um, kind of like how Carrot is doing it, right? Where now they're looking at like other models and they're looking at social media people and how many followers you have. And mm -hmm. I think in the future, the underwriting models are going to su substantially change, especially with this new work from home economy and um, everything that's happened. I mean, they have to adjust it. It's such an old, outdated model. Yeah, hundred percent. No, no doubt about that. And um, I, I think there's a lot of disruption happening in the insurance industry right now. You guys are all talking about, you know, using your phones to track your safety. Like that's going to be great for Tesla insurance um, and, and what that means. And I even uh, traditional insurance companies are starting to put trackers in cars. I think my parents have a State Farm one or something like that in their cars, which is kind of like a lemonade model, which gives a little concern about lemonade stock. And it's like, well, if all the traditional companies do it, then <laughs> does that mean lemonade special anymore? Um so, so yeah, but um, yeah, my plaid, if you want to buy it, Andre, I'll sell it to you. I want another X, man. I want two Xs. I want Sorry, a black. I was, was going to add, then they'll put an ankle bracelet on you and they'll, they'll start tracking how you walk. <laughs> yeah. You get a walk score, you get a health score, an activity score. We're gonna, we're gonna. There's no such thing as privacy anymore. No such thing. <laughs> no, why do you want to get rid of your plaid, Jeremy? What's wrong? It's just, I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm just... I would rather have an X like like if like that's what I ideally drive is like the X that the S I don't know man I don't know what it is maybe it's the steering wheel just not feeling the vibes of it the X I just love the X man did you like the, the three did you like the three better Jeremy you know I really I might have I don't that's strange yeah and I mean the S is you know the Plaid is the most luxurious car they make but yet I would I like if if I could if I could get an X today, which you can't get an X for like a year from now, like I would gladly sell this and get an X, but you can't get an X for like at least a year. Like I was looking the other night and it was like ridiculous how far out you have to wait for an X, man. So Jeremy, why don't you just sell that, sell that car? I mean, right now you I need two cars more than, oh, you do. Okay. Yeah, no, well, I need to the Volvo. You could drive the Volvo. Life. <laughs> it's yeah. a great car. Yeah. Jack, Jack used it for like a, almost an entire week. Dang. Yeah, love that car. Oh, you can but get GT40. That works too. Ooh, yeah, the Ford GT. Yeah. We still need to race sometime, Graham. The Plaid versus the GT. Oh, the, the Plaid will win. I'm not, <laughs> not even. Not even. Close. It would still be fun, though. <laughs> oh, it will, you'll win. You'll win. Do yeah. you uh, do you slam the acceleration on it? Like, do you drive it? Oh, you're talking about Kevin? Kevin, do you oh. do that? 
Oh yeah, I know Kevin probably does. <laughs> <laughs> like I know Kevin probably does. As far as me, like I, I've already kind of gotten sick of it, so I don't even do it anymore now. Uh, I've done it so many times. Yeah, just... I remember launching it a couple times, and I kid you not, like after my second or third time, I start to feel like woozy and like <laughs> I don't feel good. Yeah. No. It, it, it's it's too much, man. They made the car too fast. That's all I can say about it. You know, I hit it one time on the highway and it started it started going all over the place. I thought I was going to die. And, and no I had it driven at us fast. Oh, yeah, man. I hit that baby and the roads were slick. Next thing you know, I was sliding at 120 down the I-15. Cops crap. were behind me. I slid into the wind under, on the underground garage. I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, but in all seriousness, I, one time I did hit on the highway and I, I was thought I didn't think I was going to lose it, but I, I got a little fearful. I was like, Oh man, like this, this was a, you know, it's just, it's so fast. It's disgusting. You could, you, know, you only know it if you experienced it before. So. I, I, I've got the long range acceleration boost package. So mm -hmm. it's, it's really close to the performance model, which my dad, I got from my dad. And I remember Ooh, driving nice. on a road that's like 30 miles an hour. Um, it's like a tiny little windy road. And mm -hmm. I was like, let me floor it real quick. And I'm, I regret doing that <laughs> because <laughs> I was this close to like spinning out. I just I lost oh. control of the car for like a good two seconds. It was terrifying. Oh, my gosh, man. I know. I don't think people like realize how insane they are. Now, how's your dad like his? Oh, he's in love with it. Like he Good. cried when he got it. It's amazing. Aww. What? That's awesome. Oh yeah. my gosh. Because I bought them the house, which my dad was like, I mean, I like I knew at some point he's like, I was gonna pay it off. It's not a huge deal. It's like he's thankful for that. But he's like, the car, he's like, that's something he would never even have considered, you know. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool, man. I, I never buy my parents anything because they just complain about it. They'd be like, ah, this isn't right with the, the, the two Karens, man. They complain about everything. It's like, I don't even buy you guys anything. You're just going to complain. I could buy you a Rolls Royce if you complain about it, man. I won't, yeah. like, Jeremy. You get me a Rolls Royce. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah, so, are, are you still getting your uh, Lucid Air, uh, Kevin? Are you still? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I love your story because I, I uh, gave my dad uh, my ex and uh, he, he just loves it. So I wrote a, what is it? I, I wrote a story here. Uh, and I don't know. Let's see. Where was it? No, I, you know what? I probably shouldn't say it, but I'll, never mind. But anyway, he loves it. And um, uh, about the Lucid Air, I did pay for that as well. So I'll have both and I'll be able to compare them uh, as kind of little competitors uh but i have no idea what i'm gonna get it so and i've already paid for it so they, they said hopefully this year but so far probably not happening <laughs> i know the review the reviews look exciting on it it looks like a crazy luxurious car with a 500 mile range that's insane we'll see yeah i i hope so i hope so but uh, price we'll point price point on that one kevin well, did you get the 69 uh, you got the highest model that's crazy. It's the only wow. one you can get right now, which makes sense. They're kind of going down the. Yeah. E. Does that one have the the seats in the back that like recline and everything, or? No. So that's that's like the clickbait for the future. Oh <laughs> man. You know. Because that one, imagine that you got a driver and you just like sit uh, there. You know? When is Tesla's <laughs> Cybertruck coming out? Like, is that still gonna? Is that a thing still? I feel like that's never coming out. Twenty-two, baby. 
I there's don't no so. way they're coming out in 2022. I think I think some will come out in 22, not in mass. I think mass yeah. will be probably 23, like, like but three I think will come out and be like, "See, we met the deadline." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I I would you know here's the thing you know and I don't want to say this is a for sure thing, but remember the why they went way ahead of schedule on the why. They went way ahead of schedule. Like they were supposed to, like they started producing way faster than I expected. They ramped way faster. So now the Y was much closer to the three. So maybe that's what I was about to say. It seems like they already had everything ready for the Y. Mm -hmm. Different body panels. Do you know if it's the same chassis? I mean, I I wonder if it's almost the same structure. It's It's it's, reused and and it's easy for them to why but it's extremely similar yeah Yeah. extremely i I can't remember the the specific percentage um i used to know it but there's a like it's like ridiculously high percentage of everything is the exact same uh between the three and the the three and the y so cyber trucks are a fundamental difference um but i mean tesla's got a lot of experience now that they didn't just you know they didn't used to have so i I think we'll see you know those trucks on the road in 22 but it's going to be a small number uh, for what they're going to put out in 23, I think it's going to be the, the big ramp year. So, um, but yeah, it's exciting. I, I think, um, it's going to be interesting to see how many people cancel their orders, how many people actually keep their orders, how many people that were on the sideline still you see them on the road and maybe they hated them at first, but then maybe they see it as, Oh, this is actually cool. Yeah. Well, I'm curious I'm to see what they're going to do with the pre-orders because they, they pulled those back. Right. And they, yank the prices out so there's no way what is going on outside your garage jeremy oh that's security graham and i have security now that just goes back and forth all day long just security they had had their lights blaring everywhere the first time i saw them it freaked me out because they were kind of by the house and they had the lights going off and i'm like oh crap did something happen and they were driving so slowly i was like are they looking for someone but no they just they have someone patrolling now all the time yeah and i don't like it man i feel more unsafe now that they're here i feel like i'm in jail man i'm being watched all the time i try to go down to the gym and they like passing me super slow i got my hoodie on like this and i'm like like i live here man like i'm not it's it's the the lights are intimidating they'd be fine if they didn't have the lights constantly going off their bright lights and you see them everywhere they they bounce off all the hills and all the houses so you see it yeah it's it's out of control. I don't, I don't have one of those in my na- neighborhood. My neighborhood's literally one street. <laughs> There's like <laughs> nothing other than houses here. By the way, I had a dream the other night, Andre. We were neighbors, and Graham was too. So oh, no way. Yeah, I won't even tell you about the rest of it. I'll tell you it off camera because I. That's, it's, it's, that's a weird setup, man. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was. It was something. It gets way weirder. But anyways, yeah. Kevin, what are you buying for stocks? <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, well, let's see today. The smooth transition. Yeah. Uh, I bought some crypto. I bought uh, Google, uh, Enphase, Tesla, Matterport. Uh, last few days, I bought a little bit of uh, NVIDIA as well. So those are some of my face. I'm trying to build up the positions. Like I have these allocation targets. And so like my NVIDIA and Trade Desk, uh, they're, they're a little low. Affirm, Enphase, Etsy, those faves, they're doing well. And I still can't help myself, but you know, when I see Tesla fall a little bit, I do a little, okay, I'll do a little more nibbling here. But Tesla, Tesla's still up there, Kevin. I mean, oh, it was yeah. 1100. Yeah, uh, that's okay because so, I mean, I, uh, I sold about 2000, I, sh- I sold a thousand shares right at about 1170 and a thousand at about 1070. And uh, we, I, I bought 
a lot of the dip uh, in between like 1070 and that 886. So like in the mid nines, 930, 886. So I lowered on those 2000 shares. I've, I've pretty well lowered my cost basis. Uh, and I, I think what I added today kind of brings me back par today. I added at like 1090 or whatever. So it worked out. It was a little trade. I needed some money in December because I thought I was going to buy, you know, a big thing that I didn't end up buying. And so, but whatever it, it worked out. And then can you, can you remind us on, on Tesla while we're on the subject, what is your long-term price target? Was it $5,000 for Tesla? Mm. I'm trying to remember or three. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm very conservative when I do my long-term targets. So mine's at, uh, like 1800 bucks. And the, the way I run that is just by trying to figure out is, is my five-year compounded, uh, generally going to be competitive to what I think other stocks are going to do ideally over 15%. Uh, and so I think that it, if I buying at, oh, sorry, I, I did update a little bit. It's 1987 is what it is now at 1090 compounded annual rate of return. If we get to 1987 is about 16.21% in four years. So I'll, that's, that's kind of my target right now. Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's, that is a pretty low uh, price target unless that's only a one year out, but if that's a long-term price target, you know, end of, of 25 end of 25. Yeah. That's not, I mean, that's only up 70% from here roughly. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying, which is what's so beautiful about it is uh, I think I'm being very conservative with this mm -hmm. and, and uh, with the rate of return it, with this compounding out to 16.21, I'm happy. I think that's, that's phenomenal. So if it's more than that, Dude, that's just that's just icing on the cake. But I think that is reasonable. Like, not only is that reasonable, I think it's conservative. I in that math, I literally have zero dollars for energy, zero dollars for insurance, zero dollars for semis, zero dollars for robo taxi. Uh, I've got forty thousand dollars in revenue per vehicle, which they're at like fifty thousand. I do have four point eight mil cars by twenty twenty five, which I think is rampable. We'll see, uh, and a margin of thirty percent. So we'll see, but. Um, you know, I, I think this is relatively conservative. I know some people hear that, like, how could you say the word conservative and Tesla in the same sentence? I'm like, oh, whatever. You don't have to agree with me. I don't care. Well, when you, when you start, uh, I mean, if you're really in the Tesla community to anybody that would, would say that to you, you know, you're going to find people that are, have $5,000, $10,000 price targets on Tesla stocks. So, you know, well, even at 1800 is not not high based upon the Tesla community. I can tell you that. I know, but I think a lot, honestly, I think a lot of people who hype stocks just pick a number out of the air, uh, know nothing about fundamental analysis and just say, that's my target. We're going to the moon. Like a lot of people ask me for price targets on stuff. And I'm just like, I don't have one yet. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. Cause I haven't mm -hmm. sat there for the half day. It's going to take me to do the, the spreadsheet and, and, and all like all of that. Um, so anyway, well, yeah. even, even, you know, you, you can never find the perfect number because some people are saying, well, you should value it on a cash flow basis. Some people say you should value it on a net income basis. And then, okay, let's say you, let's say you value it on a net income basis, right? Well, what PE should it trade at in eight right. years from now or 10 years from now? Is it a 30? Is it a 20? Is it a 50? Is it a 10? You know? Yep. Um, so yeah, that, that's a fun part of the market. It, it's all, you know, um, it's, it's in the eyes of the beholder, but, um, yeah, no, that's interesting because, you know, if you only have it going up to, let's say, 1800, that's what you're expecting, right? I mean, there's stocks that are going to get a much better return than 70% over the next four years, you know? Um, like AMC going 100,000, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. So, which are, I mean, like, I would say 
probably honestly some of the, these little small caps. I, I agree with you. And I'm willing to, once we see a small cap rotation, take money from some of these bigger plays and throw into these smaller ones. Like, I don't know if we talked about this last week, but Robinhood's back at that 18 level. I know a lot of people hate Robinhood, but they've got, after their uh, liabilities, they've got like seven to eight billion dollars in cash. The company's valued at 15. 50 cents of every dollar is going in, into cash at that stock. It's insane. Uh, Shift Technologies, like course, I, I don't know, I should look up the cash balance for some of these like Corsair and some of these others. Shift Technologies got, uh, I think it's got $250 million in cash and it's a $250 million market cap. And, I'm, and now that doesn't include their debt, but still it's like, oh my gosh, the, the compression we've seen in the small caps, insane. Like you're getting into Kathy Wood's deep value uh, on, on some of these things. It, the shift technologies is that is that one expected to grow in 22 or what's the story with that one being yeah so it's it's to me i actually lump uh shift tattooed chef lemonade and corsair all together i think all of them are over 30 percent short i believe i believe yeah all over 30 percent short uh all very little retail trading activity over the last uh couple months you know some of the early dips got bought high by retail traders but now they're out of money you're discouraged or selling uh, and uh, with that high short interest, low retail activity, it's a perfect hedge, man. Kevin, are you looking at the Bloomberg terminal for retail uh, activity versus institutional, or is there? No, it's a it's a platform called Vanek, V A N E K C K or whatever. Yeah. Is that paid or is it free? Yeah, it's like three grand a month. Oh, fun. No, just for that. It's nice. that crazy. Well, wait, just to tell you how much retail versus institutional buying. There can is. you, I don't know if you mind, Kevin, can you pull that up for us? Cause I bet you a lot of people, including myself, have never actually seen what this, I would love to see this that. Oh, oh no, I can't show it. I'll get sued by them. They told me that. Dang. Oh, sorry. Not, oh, I confused the, the ETF Vanek. It's, it's, it's this company here. I can pull up their, their website. Cause this is not obviously proprietary. This crap here. Uh, okay. This is the company. Vanda track. Oh, pioneers. Okay. Interesting. Now, here's a question for you, Kevin. Uh, yeah. Wait, could you actually show the, the or you can't, right? No. Okay, so here's a question. What stops us from taking a bunch of these services and aggregating them into like a cool app that shows a lot of cool stuff like that? Is uh, that you pay. You pay yeah, for the no, we, APIs. We pay for the APIs together, let's say, for example. We would pull yes. a bunch of cool data from that and Bloomberg Terminal and whatever else. Would that, is there like a different uh, service that you have to pay for to like push out that data to say thousands of other people that download your app or? Yep. So yeah. you would be pretty much licensing the data uh, at a certain fee per user. The odds are probably wouldn't be profitable. Uh, okay. Is it like some ridiculous uh, amount, like a hundred dollars a user or something? And never checked. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Right. It'd be worth looking into. That's cool though. I, it, it's not one of those metrics like I ever see, right? It does, it's not a thing that brokerages usually and show that's, you. That might be your answer. Why doesn't Webull? Why doesn't Robinhood? Why don't these apps show us this? Probably because it's cost prohibitive. Yeah, interesting. As somebody that runs an app company, it's very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> what what data are you pulling, Jeremy? What APIs are like the the stock prices? Like, is there any other proprietary stuff, or is it just like all inclusive one API they use? Yeah, we use a few different companies, but yeah, it's all it's all one. So, and we're we're supposed to switch over to a much better company in uh, twenty two uh, than the ones we're using. We're going to use Polygon. Yeah, say what? I'm look, sorry. Look into Polygon. That's a good API to use. For, okay. Yeah, Polygon is a good one. 
Yeah, we're gonna probably switch to the one that like CNBC and others use. Um, it's it's like six thousand plus. Well, excuse me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It, it gets it gets costly, but not as costly as you think. Like six like six thousand, we're talking per month roughly for some of these services, which is certainly a good amount of money, but it's not like a crazy amount that it's like this is impossible, right? Yeah. So. But, you know, they, they have all the best features. They have the most accurate numbers and, um, you know, charts and all those sorts of things. You know, all those all those companies, you know, the ones that Yahoo Finance uses and everything. Yahoo Finance, by the way, they use like 12 different API companies. It's crazy um, how many different companies somebody like that will use. So, yeah, it sucks because I used to use one called Xignite. Well, I still use it. And it's uh, oh, Xignite, yeah. Xignite, yeah. Every piece of data is like, oh, you want dividend data? That's an extra two grand a month now. Oh, sure. <laughs> oh, it's it's insane, man. Like every little piece of data is something. Yeah, that's one we're considering using too. And yeah, it gets costly. I mean, Xignite is the one that I think M1 Finance and Robinhood and a bunch of others used to use, or I don't know if they still use them, but. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's certainly not cheap. All right, guys. So, what moves you making here before the end of the year? We only got a few days less left. Uh, any tax loss I, harvesting? Any buys? Lawsuit. Invested a hundred grand the other day in Into my monkey portfolio of twenty twenty two. You got to you got to watch the video, the, the latest one I just posted uh, yesterday. But yeah, uh, so my monkey portfolio officially for the year is up like forty two percent. Beat the S and P five hundred blew away everything else that I've invested in year over year. Uh, so I'm doing it again. Wait a minute. That's not true. You, you bought Bitcoin at 30. That's that's that actually beat it. No, no not now. Yeah. The, yeah. At what? 40 something? 46? What is 40, that? Well, well, say 48. well, I mean, but that's counting. Well, I guess that's counting the original investment. A dollar cost averaged up yeah. and down. Uh, yeah, OK, OK, so yes. Okay, so if we count that initial Bitcoin investment, yes, uh, you're right. That would have been up uh, about 55, 60%. Need to count it on the total, the total amount. No, that's not yeah. fair. No, 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 I'm not dollars. Because you can't, you can't, you can't compare a lump sum investment versus a dollar cost. Uh, you know what, Andre? Okay, you know what? I mean, yes. Okay, you know what? I'll, I'll give that. To, I'll give that to you. That's true. So, like the second best behind Bitcoin Ethereum, I guess that would that would be the case. But anyway. Invested in some companies, uh, the ones I'm looking forward to the most, uh, Costco was one of them. Uh, William Sonoma was an interesting one. Uh, nice. First American Financial Corp. Um, some of these I've never heard of. Lamb Weston Holdings, Inc. But you know what? It's there. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I don't, I don't need Wait. to know anything about, about so that. So when you put in the 100 grand, are, did you re, uh, like, did it spit out an, a new 10 stocks or do you put more money into the same 10 that you had? I'm holding the original 10. I'm just, uh, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna hold this because I don't. First of all, I don't want to sell it. I don't want to pay the tax. You said you invested another hundred grand, or is that? Yeah. Or, or yeah. So what? I just invest another hundred thousand. That would be interesting, though, to to pull out because it was. It's now like 142, 142 grand to pull that out. Take my hundred thousand dollars, buy it this, and then I have an extra. Yeah, that grand. would be awesome. But, but you know what? It's like then I pay the tax on the forty-two. Uh, you know, what would that be? Minus 25% basically. Mm. So uh, I may as well just keep it invested. Wait, but you said you rebought the same 10 with the, no. with the new hundred. No, I picked oh, 10 new stocks. Oh, or 10 new stocks. Boom, pick 10 new Got stocks. It. Got it. So yeah, so keep the original one. I'm just investing another hundred grand, another 10 stocks, see what happens. 
I want to, I want to, I'm tempted to try this on experiment, but you could I have, Jeremy, you could have your, uh, your son pick stocks. Yeah. Seriously. Andre, you could have one of my other children pick stocks. Okay. <laughs> no, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to do like a video with playing cards. I'm going to like throw playing cards, like a ninja at a dartboard Ooh, just to see which ones cool. I land on. That'd be fun. The that issue is that you get you 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 would need all thousand or two thousand stocks or something like that. So it's no, but you said you picked like a, a hundred out of, out of a bunch, and then you. Oh right? yeah, so so well, I out of a thousand, I I did the random number generator, correlated that to the ranking, picked thirty, and then Boo picked ten of those thirty. Well, so I guess go. yeah, you could do that. You could do that. I just uh, I was. I, I was reading through comments right now. And by the way, thank you to everybody that's a, a member of the Millennial Money Chat. We appreciate you guys. I was reading, there was a direct question for me. It said, um, it said, what's your your goals for the Hungry Bull app for 22? And my goal is to not go bankrupt. Okay. So good one. That's a, that's a good one. And, and Kevin, you doing any last second moves here? Any tax loss harvesting or anything? Because you said you got a massive tax bill coming up. Anything like that or what's going on? Uh, sue my city. <laughs> nice. Whoa. Whoa. We weren't They're expecting just that. Scummy man, scummy. They, like, just quick example. They uh, uh, they've held up my, one of these properties for like thirteen months uh, because I exposed one of these these loser plan reviewers for uh, long story short, basically being a, a, a scumbag. Uh, but and, and, and anyway, they didn't like that. So, but they ended up reassigning uh, someone to my plan check. Now. They send someone to sign off permits on our property because we have permits on it. They sign off the permits on it. Then the next day, they send somebody else with a blank permit card and try to basically make us redo stuff for that inspection that already happened just to spite us. And wow. so, uh, yeah, hey, maybe I should just send a nice little retainer to an attorney and, uh, you know, two can play that game. Jeez. That'd be a tax write-off. And the city don't got that kind of money to play play legal battles. So. Bro, you're you're playing on such a higher level than any of us. <laughs> like no. I'm suing the city. You don't you don't want to be playing this <laughs> crap, man. Drivers, man. <laughs> uh, you don't want to do it. Oh <laughs> uh, gosh. Okay, so you're not buying you're not buying a, you're not buying a private jet at the end of this the year, huh? Kevin? No, no. It's uh, I did go into a bunch of margin just buying a bunch of stocks. Uh, so. You know, I'm I'm hoping for that 2022 rally. <laughs> yeah, and I, I got I got a chance to see your podcast with Graham, which if oh. people didn't get to see that, watch that. And you yeah. said something about in that podcast something about, oh, uh, what was it? If you're gonna you're gonna have to sell off of stocks because you're gonna need that money to pay taxes or something like that, or you're gonna go super heavy on margin. It was something along that. If you could clarify whatever you said there. Um, yeah. At the time of the podcast, if I needed to pay taxes that day, I my margin would skyrocket. I'd be like, okay. you know, 40 percent margin or whatever. Uh, I uh, will probably sell before. I mean, I've got time, you know, until April or whatever to pay my taxes. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, uh, if Kevin, I need to sell some stuff, then I'll sell some stuff. Uh, why don't you keep just putting like extensions in and just keep delaying it? I mean, I've, I've you heard of it. You have to yeah. pay. Yeah, I know you still have to pay, but you could still just indefinitely keep delaying it for a little bit. Ah, uh, maybe, but I still owe it at some point. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But, but even then, you still have to make the payment. Even if you postpone, the payment still yeah. has to be made. So yeah. it's like, yeah. it's not gonna, you may as well just get it over with. 
By the way, Graham, that was the best ending toward a podcast I had ever seen of one of your podcasts with Kevin. The he hurt your feelings. He hurt your feelings bad. When you heard the number at the end of that podcast, uh, your feelings were hurt. I could well, feel So, you guys, if you want to see my reaction to how much money Kevin has made this year, go and check out the Iced Coffee Hour podcast right after this. <laughs> if you want to, I encourage you to watch the whole thing. If you want to scroll to the end, uh, that was my honest reaction. And, Kevin, by the way, the video <laughs> has 150,000 views already. Wow. So, it did well. But, yeah, that, that my reaction at the end, I was not expecting <laughs> – as just just go watch the podcast, but it was <laughs> shocking to me to say the least. And I'm I'm really proud of you, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyways, I think I think you should take us home, Graham. Take us home. Good. Wrap All right. Up. Well, how about this? Before I take you home, okay, we have to address. This is our last video of the year because it's going to be the New Year's uh, pretty soon. So, uh, guys, uh, wishing you all uh, a happy and safe. 2022 and what better way to enter the new year than to get your free stock down below in the description that's worth all the way up to uh 300 bucks you may as well do that again it helps us out uh, tremendously you're able to follow us all in there you could follow andre kevin myself uh have a great time on there they don't route your order flow you may as well do it i love the app and uh they've been a fantastic sponsor for us so if you want to help us out that link is down below in the description thank you guys so much for watching and until next time thank you see you guys next year Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.